pastor was mentioning, he was coming in as I was going out there at Intercity Baptist Church, but of course, Jennifer uh, was part of the college and career when my wife and I were heading it up, and uh, it was advice she was teaching there at the uh, Intercity at the time, uh, so there are some connections there, and of course with Mike Jewell, uh, he is one of our missionaries, we have sent him out from First Baptist Church of Lake Orion, if you ever had the privilege of, of being with Mike, he is a person who is sapped of all of his egotism. I mean, he is a person who is real. Uh, he is genuine. Uh, in fact, it, it's almost too genuine, as it were. Sometimes he shares things and say, Mike, I don't think I ought to be sharing those things there. <laughs> but so I just want to be transparent. He said, you know, sometimes uh, transparent missionaries could be rather distracting, but uh, he is a great, great man. Of course, later on in life, he was called to ministry, uh, gave up a secure job at GM to follow the Lord there in Brazil. Now, uh, tonight I just want to do an uh, expositional study of Proverbs 9. Well, Proverbs 9 there describes for us really two paths. I don't know if you have the handouts there. Uh, if you do not have a handout, please raise your hand. I think there's, there's some available. Uh, we're living in a time where the church is slowly being secularized. I mean, when you look at what is happening to those uh, who at one time represented a distinction from the world, I'm talking about followers of Jesus Christ who understood that they were to be salt and light, understanding that, that their mission was to win the world by their distinction. Uh, now we see this philosophy that says that we have to be like them to win them. So, so what you have then is a secularization of of church, secularization of church ministries, uh, to the point that the distinction has almost been erased. And I praise the Lord for ministries like this, ministries that, that understand that, that the hope of society, the hope of the world, is this group of people that God has placed on the planet Earth, His body, the church, to testify, to be salt and light, uh, to, to go forth and proclaim uh, to a society that is that is bracing everything that is ungodly, that there is hope in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And it's through the distinction, I would suggest to you, that people will be drawn to Jesus Christ. It is through this, this, this understanding that the church is n not uh, of the world, but is in the world. This, the church, although... They are to isolate themselves from the world's philosophy, are not to insulate themselves uh, from the people. In other words, they are to be plugging in and giving the hope of Jesus Christ to God's image bearers. But what happens when we have those who are embracing a sensual path as opposed to the sensible path? Uh, what happens when there is no distinction? One of the things that we have to understand is that those who are followers of Jesus Christ need to live a life of wisdom and not embrace the folly that the world seems to be embracing. Uh, those who are followers of Jesus Christ need to understand that life comes in God, in the crosswork of Jesus Christ, and He is the hope. But those that continue to embrace folly that is so connected to the world could 
only see death. And I think that's what we have here in Proverbs 9 is, is really uh, this, this, this thought that today's decisions determines tomorrow's destinations. That, that you have a choice of embracing a sensible path versus a sensual path. Now, as we look at Proverbs 9, we, we have to see, first of all, that there are three characters in this proverb. We also observe that there are two paths. The paths that I'm talking about is just that, the sensible path and the sensual path. But let me introduce you to the first character. Uh, This character is personified as a lady. She is called Lady Wisdom. And as you expound the chapter, you see that Lady Wisdom is described in Proverbs 9, 1 through 6. And what we see, those that embrace Lady Wisdom will embrace life. Notice what we have here in verse 6. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. So there is this this admonition to forsake folly and to live. Now there is another character. She is also described as a lady, and this is Lady Folly. She is talked about in Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. And notice that her path leads to death, verse 18. But he does not know the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So what we have in Proverbs 9 is a description of two paths. The sensible path that, that is described as one that brings life. And what we have there is Lady Wisdom calling out. Then you have the sensual path. And here you have Lady Folly calling out. But there is a third character, and this is the naive traveler. He is described in Proverbs 9, 7 through 11. Now what we will observe in this proverb is that both Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly are targeting the same naive traveler. So so as we unpack this chapter, just envision wisdom and folly targeting the naive man, the naive traveler. And then we're going to identify who that naive traveler is. We're going to identify who this proverb is addressed to. So let's begin. The path based on wisdom. We see that wisdom is personified as a woman. Notice here, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has shewed out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Now notice here. She has prepared a place for her guests. This is what we see in verse 1. We also observe that she has prepared a banquet. A banquet. Uh, she wants to feed her guests. And what we see here is that she sends out her invitation. Now she is pleading for guests to come in. Now this is wisdom pleading for guests to, to come in and, and just feast at her table. And notice that this plea comes from the most prominent place, from the tops of the heights of the city. Now, what we observe here 
is that when a person wanted to make announcement in the Old Testament, they made it at the prominent place. And when they wanted to get the resident's attention, this is where they would go. So wisdom is crying out. Now, notice who, is she, who she is pleading to. Verse 4, whosoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food, and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live, and proceed in the way of understanding. So, so notice who she's targeting. She's targeting the naive. She is targeting the one who lacks understanding. Now, I don't know about you, but I certainly see myself there in verse 4. Sometimes I lack understanding. When graduated from Bob Jones University in 1986 with my Master of Arts. I went to First Baptist Church of Troy to be an assistant pastor and school administrator. And at that time, as your pastor mentioned, uh, Pastor Dave Dorn was the youth pastor, and he was admonishing me to continue my education. I figured I have my Master of Arts. Why do I need anything more? So I decided to take some classes in... Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, thinking, well, okay, it can't hurt me. This will help me expand my sermon file. But little did I know that as I started taking classes at Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary that my sermon files were not expanding. They started to dwindle. As as the professors gave insight to certain texts, I realized, man, I've been preaching that text wrong. So there goes that one. And they would expound on another portion of Scripture. And and I realized, man, I've been blowing that text, and there goes the other file. So my my sermon started to dwindle. I realized that I did not know what I thought I knew. So I received my Master of Divinity. I received my Master of Theology. I just completed a Doctor of Ministries. And keep this in mind, that the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. So I see myself in this text that that I sometimes lack understanding. Uh, There are times when you think, hey, I have the answer, and then the Lord throws a curveball. And you realize, boy, I thought that was the answer, and it wasn't. So, So here is the plea of wisdom. She is targeting the naive. Now, when you look throughout the Old Testament, specifically in Proverbs, The naive is described as simply the simple. For example, in Proverbs 14, 15, you could jot these verses down. We see the naive believes everything. He is naive in his thinking. The naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his step. We see the foolish follow the naive in Proverbs 14, 18. The simple lack understanding in Proverbs 8, verse 5. O naive one, understand prudence. O fools, understand wisdom. The simple are easily misled in Proverbs 7, 6 through 8. Now, a very familiar passage, Psalm 19, 7 through 11. We talk about God's special revelation, the law of the Lord. In Psalm 19, you know, the heavens declare the glories of God, that great chapter. What we observe is that the first portion of the psalm gives us his general revelation, but then we see, beginning in verse 7, his special revelation. And you know how it goes. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise 
the simple. Now that's where I want to focus in on. Making wise the simple. You see, the Word of God, specifically in Psalm 19, the law, has the ability of taking someone who is simple, someone who is easily deceived, who lacks understanding, and make that person wise. Now, a person who thinks they know everything finds themselves in a predicament because the Bible tells us, let him that thinks he stands, take heed lest he what? Fall. So, so we have to understand that there are things in life that are sometimes beyond us. There are things in life that, that, that to be frank with you, mystifies us. I was sharing with our congregation last Sunday night as I was dealing with a matter that, that, that needed to be dealt with about a young lady who was raped and as a result of the rape found herself pregnant. Now, the world would say, hey, you need to abort that child, but her husband said, no, we're going to raise this child as our own. So here they're raising this biracial child. And now today, as I understand it, this young lady is a pastor's wife. Now you look at the world and the world says no, and they, and, and, and they would suggest that you need to do something about that pregnancy so that she's not marred the rest of her life. You need to end that life. But here you have a follower of Jesus Christ who says, no, while God is not the author of the sin that was committed against me, God permitted this in my life. Now, that's beyond comprehension, isn't it? That's beyond our understanding. And I would suggest to you that that is God's grace just being lavished. on This individual, that she would have this child and raise this child as her own. And that the husband would insist, yes, this is my child. So we know that we need this understanding. We know that as we look at this, we need wisdom. And the wisdom that comes from this word is able to take a simple one and make that person wise. So, we need the Word of God. Now, if we remain simple, we remain at our own harm. And sometimes people try to find the answers to life outside the Word of God. We have to recognize the fact that we don't know and turn to the one that does. And that is our wonderful Savior, our wonderful God, as He reveals Himself to us in the Scripture. So what we see, a simple one is the one who lacks understanding but he is wise in the sense that he knows where to get understanding. So, here you have Lady Wisdom crying out to the naive. Don't remain naive. Seek understanding. Seek wisdom. Come, eat at my banquet. Come, I invite you. Now we have the path of folly. She is also personified as a woman. As I mentioned, there are two women here. 
the personification of wisdom and folly. Lady Wisdom calls for the naive to feast on wisdom. Lady Wisdom is calling the naive one to embrace her invitation to be skilled in all aspects of holy living. Lady Wisdom is calling the naive to embrace the wisdom that she offers. But we also see that Lady Folly is targeting the same person. Now, notice the similarities between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. She also has a house and is sitting in a prominent place. Verse 14, she sits at the doorway of her house on the seat of the high places of the city. She also sends out her invitation, calling to those, verse 15, who pass by, who are making their path straight. In other words, who are straight on their way. This person, this, this naive traveler, seems to have direction and purpose, minding his own business. So here you have the two cries, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, targeting the same person. By the way, isn't that the way life is? We have all these voices, all these counsels, all these counselors. <laughs> They're crying and targeting the same person. Do this, don't do this. Embrace this, don't embrace this. And when we hear all these voices, it is important that we understand, okay, which voice am I going to here, well, the one that is consistent with the word. So she is targeting that same person that Lady Wisdom is targeting. Notice here, verse 16. Whosoever is naive, let him turn in here. So here you have it. This naive traveler is being called out by Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. But notice the differences. Lady Folly is in a constant uproar. Verse 13, the woman of folly is boisterous. Now this gives this idea of, of, of a constant uproar, a constant unsettling in the life. We also observe she lacks understanding. She is naive and knows nothing. Now, now this is the point that Lady Folly is described as naive, targeting the naive. It's like the blind leading the blind. <coughs> and this idea that she knows nothing, some have suggested, is that she knows no shame. She knows no discretion. She is seductive. She is naive and knows no shame. As you look at verse 17, because this is important, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Now, this comes out of nowhere. Now, what does this mean? Here you have, of course, as you look at the text, as the writer, of, the writer Solomon, uh, as it is understood, writes this. Notice here, verse 16, Whosoever is naive, let him turn into her, and, he, uh, and to him who lacks understanding... She says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Now, you, ask, you have to ask yourself, how does that fit into this, this description? How does it fit into the text? Now, 
we have to understand, as we noticed with Lady Wisdom, she has a banquet prepared for her guests, and she admonishes them to eat. Verse 2 again, she has prepared her food, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table. Verse 5, come eat of my food and drink. Now notice here, Lady Wisdom is offering the basics of survival, food and drink. In fact, she wants to give more than the basics of survival. She gives whoever comes in a banquet. With this banquet spread, she wants to give more than what is necessary. She wants to give more than what is basic. Lady Wisdom wants to give the naive traveler life itself. Follow or forsake your folly and live. But Lady Folly, on the other hand, wants to be fed. Thus we have stolen waters is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. You see, Lady Wisdom wants to feed the naive traveler Lady Folly wants to be fed by the naive traveler. So this admonition to steal, to get this basic of life. So what we have here is that Lady Folly wants to be fed by the naive traveler, even if it means stealing to feed her. So the meaning here, as we observe, is really twofold. It suggests that Lady Folly wants to be fed by the naive traveler, and here is the key, and the food that she wants is the naive traveler. She wants to consume the naive traveler. Now again, this is all personification. It's not that she's a cannibal, as it were. But this is the point. Lady Wisdom wants to feed you. Lady Folly wants to consume you. How many times have you seen people go the way of the world only to be consumed by their own passions, lusts, desires, and left desolate, left starving for that which is spiritual? What we observe here is her way leads to death. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So what is to be our response to Lady Wisdom? What is to be our response? This leads us now to verses 7 through 11. Now notice here, as we look at the text, he who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insult for himself. Do not reprove a, a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser, uh, still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Now, what we see here is really a chiastic relationship. Now, without sounding pedantic, now, you may wonder, what is the word pedantic? It's a needless display of one's knowledge, okay? I don't want to sound pedantic, so this is why I give you this breakdown so you understand what is meant here. 
A corresponds with A prime, B corresponds with B prime, C corresponds with C prime, and the focus is right there in the C, C prime. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will what? Hate you. How many times have you tried to reprove someone who has rejected wisdom, who has rejected advice, and all you receive is animosity, unkind words, hatred. I mean, we know this is true. Uh, you just talk to parents who have rebellious teens. But notice here, reprove a wise man and he will love you. A person who is reproved and responds correctly, you could sit back and say, okay, I know it hurts, but at least they're responding correctly. Back when I was a school administrator at Bethany Christian School, there were two seniors that were involved in something that demanded that they would be expelled. Now, here you are, two seniors about to graduate, and I have to expel them. One was a young lady, the other was a young man. I had the parents there sharing with them, you know, the events that occurred and why we had to expel them. The parents of the young man, Jess, I mean, you talk about raked me over the coals. They hated the direction I was taking, and this was all expressed in front of their son. The parents of the young lady said, you know, we don't feel that way, Mr. Marino. We understand that this is God's hand in our daughter's life. And we just trust that the Lord will use this in her life. Responded two different ways. This young lady ended up marrying a person in the ministry. This young man ended up an alcoholic and a drug addict. Now, I'm not saying that that was a pivotal point there in my office. But what I am saying is that over here, the parents manifested a lack of wisdom and just embraced folly. Over here, the parents embraced wisdom, although it hurt them. Although what was happening, the events, you know, really, really struck at their heart, they responded correctly. So when you correct a scoffer, you are asking for insults, you will be abused, you will be hated. On the other hand, if you reprove a wise man, he will love you and he will increase in wisdom and he will add to his learning. So again, here you have lady wisdom, lady folly. Here you have the response to wisdom. Refuse lady folly. Embrace lady wisdom. Fear the Lord. Notice here verse, 11, or verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied and the years of your life will be added to you. So what is it for by me? That is the fear of the Lord. So, so what we do is refuse lady folly, embrace lady wisdom, and learn the fear of the Lord. So the, the pathway of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy One. I love Job twenty-eight twenty-eight. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. 
and to depart from evil is understanding. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 15.16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and turmoil with it. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for the wise. So when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about service and worship. We reverence and respect Him. That's worship. And the reverence and respect we have for Him manifests itself in our service to Him. So the fear of the Lord, it is the beginning of the wisdom. It involves a hatred for sin and the turning from evil. It embraces a trust and a confidence in God. It is, the, it is to be prized above treasure. It is the mark of the humble. Again, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. And before honor comes humility. You know, one thing that we have to understand is that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And a person who thinks they could do life without God and his word, a person who thinks they could handle what is happening out there without knowledge of the Holy One, is a proud individual. This is why we need to humble ourselves. We need to have reverence and respect for God. We need to draw near to Him, and He will draw near to us. So the pathway to wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It is this idea that we're going to embrace the knowledge of the Holy One. This signifies, this concept of knowledge of the Holy One, signifies the majestic nature of the Lord. One of the greatest dangers that pastors have is as they're reading and studying the scriptures, they're more concerned with how to present the text accurately than how does the text apply to them. One of the things I realize is that when I preach to you, I need to first preach to myself. I have to ask myself, how many times have I tried to do this stuff called life without turning to our God, without beholding His majesty and His holiness? How many times have I preached to others before I've preached to myself? That's a prideful thing. But I know that the Lord is in the business of humbling us. And this is what we as followers of Jesus Christ need to understand. We need to humble ourselves and a manifestation of that humility is simply this. We need to depend on God to do this stuff called life. We need to declare our dependence on Him. And the way that we know, the way that this is lived out is by spending that time in the Word. You know, it's one thing saying, I depend on the Lord. It's another thing to really depend on the Lord. I mean, how, how much time have you spent 
in the knowledge of the Holy. How much time have you spent to glean the wisdom that is found in this word? So what we see here is the promise of wisdom in verse 11. For by me your days will be multiplied and the years of your life will be added to you. Now this is a general principle. We understand that this is a general saying. Some say, well, how in... How is the fear of the Lord multiplying my life? I mean, what do you do with the person who fears the Lord and dies at an early age? The basic principle is this. The righteous live longer because their life is a natural one because God has blessed them. In other words, you look, generally speaking, a person who is living in wisdom and abstaining from those things that could be addictive in life live longer than those who embrace addiction to their detriment. But this is the promise, a general principle. Your days will be multiplied, and the years of your life will be added to you. We also understand that this is in the context of the Old Testament economy, where God actually did intrude in the life of the Israelite. But notice the personal appeal, and this is important for us to see. We, we talked about Lady Wisdom. We talked about Lady Folly targeting the naive traveler. We talked about this path to wisdom. But let's talk about the personal appeal, and this is seen in verse 12. Notice here, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. Now this is big, because this is the only verse in the entire chapter that is found in the second person singular. You know who the second person singular is? You. This is, you see it. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. This tells me and identifies the naive traveler. You know who the naive traveler is? You. So this is where I, not, where I now place myself in the text. Lady Wisdom is calling me out. Lady Folly is calling me out. Lady Wisdom says, hey, come, feast at my table. Come, drink of my wine. Live. I want to feed you. I want to give you more than the basics of life. And Lady Folly is saying, hey, Stolen waters are sweet. Bread eaten in secret is great. I want to be fed by you. In fact, I want to consume you. And many times, because we are so deceived, we go to the sensual path and only find death. Not realizing that when we embrace Lady Wisdom, we find life. So here's the question. What path are you on? Now, it's one thing saying, well, I think I'm on the uh, sensible path, which then begs the question, how much wisdom are you gleaning? As, this is, this, as we see our, our world around us embracing more of the sensuality that is indicative of the, 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 the worldly, the, the totally depraved individual, 
it becomes more important for us to immerse ourselves in the wisdom that we find in this word. And I trust that as you look at this proverb, that as you look at this chapter, you'll embrace the invitation of Lady Wisdom, the invitation to come and eat. She has set out her maiden. She has called from the housetops of the heights of the city. Whosoever is naive, let him turn. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come, eat of my food and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed to the ways of understanding. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, it's an awesome thing to know that you have done for us what we could never do for ourselves, that while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, you have made us alive. Lord, we understand that while we were seeking our own sensual paths, you reached down and imparted to us spiritual life when we were spiritually dead to embrace the sensible path. Lord, help us as your children to continue to walk in wisdom. Help us, Lord, to forsake folly. Help us, Lord, to be distinct for the glory of your wonderful Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.